The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. First and foremost, though, I'm joined by Sarah Burns of the Irish Times. Sarah, what is happening with Irish dancing? Um, it's fetch fixing, as people are saying at the minute. Um, so the allegations are in relation to teachers and Irish dancing schools, and they're alleged to have fixed competitions for their own students. And this sort of came to light earlier this week when on Commission Lorinka Gaelica, that's the Irish Dancing Commission, um, it's the governing body for Irish dancing here, um, it shared a statement with its members saying that it had had reported receiving allegations with documentation of several grievous breaches of its code of conduct which could not be tolerated by its organisation. Um, the evidence several years it identifies individuals alleging allegedly offering various inducements to promote dancers to a higher pacing at particular competitions. I tell you what, while we we improve the line there, uh, uh, let me go to Cora Somerville, who's a former member of the body you just mentioned. Uh, She was a member for 40 years. She's got an MA in dance studies. She was a dancing teacher and adjudicator. So, Cora, I mean, you come to this with many hats on, huge amount of experience. What has been your reaction to this story of so-called fesh fixing? Well, my... How are you, Kieran? Um, my reaction is that it's no surprise. Because really? It's, oh, yeah, yeah, because, you know, it's always been a rumoured culture that this has been going on. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, during my duration with the organisation, you know, it was accepted and allowed. I never really saw any proof or anything done about it uh, while I was a member. You know, and, y- the you know, the organisation... And Commission is, it's a self-made organisation and it's totally competitive based. You know, it's not an organisation that is, that is in any way a dance education based organisation. Like it has its roots in the Gaelic League. So, you know, competition had uh, grown during its time and then a World Championships was introduced. So it's it's highly, highly competitive. And for anyone that's not within an organization like that, you just have no idea of of uh, how competitive it is. Uh, listen, Sarah is back with us, Sarah Burns of the Irish Times. Uh, and Sarah, just for, for people who aren't aware of the story, I mean, Cora Somerville there was making the point that she is not surprised that there's been mutterings about this for a long time. But it, it, we, we lost the connection with you while you were explaining exactly what it is alleged to have taken place. Yeah, so teachers and Irish dancing schools are alleged to have fixed competitions for their own students. And it came to light when the Irish Dancing Commission, that's on Commission Lorinka Gaelica, it sent out a statement to um, its members in recent days and it said its ethics committee had um, received allegations along with supporting documentation of several grievous breaches of its code of conduct and that such unethical behaviour couldn't be tolerated by its organisation. Uh, evidence apparently dates back several years and identifies in individuals alleging, allegedly offering various inducements uh, to promote dancers to a higher than deserved placing at particular competitions. And it's believed there are a number of teachers and schools implicated in the allegations. And because of these, what they said are far-reaching um, allegations and to ensure you know, fairness, transparency and thoroughness, um, they appointed an independent former judge of the Court of Appeal uh, to oversee and supervise an immediate investigation into the matters. And um, the Commission said that this judge would have full and open access to its um, resources and records. 
Um, then today, the Independent, you know, they had their own report saying that uh, judges who are accused of fixing competitions have actually been allowed to continue um, overseeing major competitions. And it said like this supporting documentation was actually screenshots um, of text conversations and it showed 12 Irish dance teachers either asking for or you know, offering to fix these competitions. And what I understand that there's no allegation thus far of money changing hands or offers of money. So what's the quid pro quo? I mean, how does this arrangement work as far as we understand? Yeah, so like there's been no money or, or bribes or anything like that. But I suppose it's, you know, if children are placing really high um, in these competitions and a certain Irish dance in school gets a good reputation, you know, other parents are going to put their kids into schools that are doing well. So I suppose there's maybe long term gains. And I, I just caught the end of Cora there, but she was saying, you know, it's such a big industry and it is and it's kind of only getting bigger and there's competitions abroad, you know, uh, there's competitions at national and international level. So, you know, if a school has a good reputation or a teacher has a good reputation that their students are doing well, parents will obviously go to those then. Okay, well, let me go back to Cora and Sarah. Thanks for talking us through uh, all of that. It's a complicated story, but but, uh, uh, explained very coherently there. Uh, Cora, so you say you're not surprised that the mutterings have been that this has been going on for a long time. Like, would it be fair to describe it as something then of an open secret within Irish dancing? Probably, yes, yes. And I, I'll come back to your um, your question about no money changing hands. It's, it's judging um, uh, the students I give it to of another school that they will return the favour to, to me. You know, I'm just using myself as being a judge and another judge and another judge. You know, it's, it, the culture is, you know, they're looking after each other. Okay, so it's it's kind of uh, Cora. Will you make sure that the dancers in Kieran Cudahy's school do well in this competition? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and you look when, when I'm the judge, uh, your dancers will do well. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, and you know the sad thing about this, and I have written about this uh, when I was doing my MA, is you know we're talking about children, and m- most of uh, those in Irish involved in Irish dancing are under eighteen years of age, and. You know, they're subject um, to this culture and, and they're even aware of it, you know. But but it's, you know, it's even further myself. Like I, I even, you know, the welfare of these kids and the high level of the competition and how highly trained they need to be at this young age to make standards, mm. you know, puts them under so much pressure. Physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, what they're carrying and, you know, there's so many questions to be asked, you know, um, about the whole um, makeup um, and the responsibility, like where does this, you know, who is responsible for, for the whole lot and mm. the leadership, uh, you know, and is an organisation like this open to public scrutiny, you know, like our schools are when, you know, a teacher is in a school, you know, they have to adhere to certain guidelines and things. Yeah. I mean, There's just so much. Like, the, the, yeah. There are so many uh, threads to it. You're right. I, I mean, on, on the question of of money, it does strike me that indirectly we are talking about financial gain, though, aren't we? Because if Cora Somerville gives all of Kieran Cuddy's dancers uh, a gold medal or whatever it happens to be, um, my, my dance school will become more popular. My business will thrive. There's a reason people are doing it. Yeah. Oh, there is, and and it it does happen. You know. Um, you have um, 
vast schools and big business schools and then you have smaller schools. Um, you know, while I was teaching, I was always more a part-time teacher and it was a smaller school. So you just, you wouldn't be heard because you didn't have the number, you know, um, you wanted to enjoy dancing. And, you know, I just became totally disillusioned with the, the fairness and, you know, the whole leadership of the organization. And I just said, you know, I've had enough, like I can't do this anymore. Mm. And my voice won't be heard. I'm only one person that wants to speak out. You know, there's nobody else because if you speak out, the the whole um, ethos with people is if I speak out, my children are going to suffer in competition. Yeah. So nobody wants, you know, and, you know, it's just the thread is just too complicated um, for anyone who just doesn't understand it. And then, you know, competition is so addictive that you're in a buzz of this world. And if, if it is your buzz and your addiction, it's very, very hard yeah, you know, to see the wood I, for the trees. I know that the people listening to this and they have no involvement whatsoever with Irish dancing, and they might be kind of rolling their eyes. To think this is a kind of an interesting oddity. This story, but it strikes me we are, we are on some level talking about abusing the trust and innocence of children as well, aren't we? Like they're going to these competitions, and as you say, they're putting themselves and their bodies and their emotions and everything under severe strain. They're really trying to do well. And then they turn up and it turns out that the dancers from School A never had a chance because the dance coach in School B had the competition sewn up before it started. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you have that as well. You know, that you know, people are nearly saying, well, that's the result before the competition, you know, and it, it, it's something even myself, I didn't really want to believe because I wouldn't be of that mindset. You know, I was trying to say, oh, no, no, this is not happening. You know, this could be happening, you know, but, but then you get to the stage where you said, you know, it is happening and okay, it can't be proved, but, you know, evidently now, it, whatever is after happening, you know, the proof is there and, it, you know, if proof is there. Well, nobody can say, no, it's not happening. Well, Pat is with us as well, Cora. Pat is uh, the parent of a former Irish dancer. Uh, Pat, like Cora, are you unsurprised by this revelation? Absolutely not surprised one one bit. Um, Cora hit the nail right in the head from a teacher's perspective there, but as a parent, it's, it was blatantly obvious on a lot of occasions that there was something wrong. Uh, you, you, As I said to some of your researchers earlier, that if you were going to enough of these events, you could... Um, you could see a trend. You could almost look at the list of judges for the day and you could nearly predict some of the dancers that were going to succeed on the particular day. Oh, it was so, that obvious? Absolutely. But you, but you need to have been attending a lot of the events to to understand the situation and, and, and regards. But but you could see some, you know, terrible dancers on a stage and yet kids were getting placed, you know? Mm. And... Was this happening at kind of at, at very low levels so that it might go unnoticed or, or was it happening uh, right up through the ranks? But you'd also mainly the bigger events like qualifiers for world championships or the provincial events and, and the really, really big ones where it was important. Uh, you, you, could see, you, you, you could see a lot of it, but, but there was a lot of big events too where it was blatantly obvious that there was fixing going on. Uh, it, it strikes me if you go out and 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 maybe this is an unfair comparison because uh, the number of participants are, are much smaller, so there's more strain in terms of getting people to volunteer their their time uh, and their their work. But you'd never have a referee of a football match or a hurling match or anything else being involved in one of the clubs playing 
and and you you do have that to a degree in Irish dancing. I mean, the the the, the judges are also teachers. I understand in a lot of cases, are they? Correct. They were, they were running da- dancing schools, but if if your dance teacher was judging, your none of your kids would would be able to take part in a particular event. If you understand what I mean, so it, 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 you wouldn't just go to that event because because you couldn't enter because your your one of your teachers was judging. No, so that safeguard is there. That, but that was the only safeguard. <laughs> but but that safeguard was circumvented by just a few WhatsApp messages. It seems. Yeah, well, that's that's obviously there's proof now. I'm I'm speaking from experience, and it's all like it's all anecdotal, really, because I've no proof. But you, you just it wasn't discussed, and you didn't dare bring it up because of the, the risk of a backlash. Someone is after texting in here, Pat, on five three one six. When I was twelve, which is over forty years ago, dance fixing was going on. My sister was eight, and we were at a fesh. No one in our school was winning anything. We were told the adjudicator didn't like our teacher. My mother didn't realise there was a dance in my sister's age, so she put her in for it. She didn't have her costume with her, so you wouldn't know what school she was from. When results came out, my sister won. The adjudicator said if she'd known that uh, who she was, she wouldn't have won. And that is a long, long time ago. Situation doesn't seem to have changed. A huge since if these allegations are to be believed Pat what was the impact of all of this uh, on your daughter like at, at a certain point did she kind of realise this as well did she see the trend like you and did she think oh look who the judges are sure I'm not going to win today uh, a bit of that there was lots of disappointing days I have to tell you uh, but lots of successful days as well but you, you just you know the effort that goes into it especially even early morning the dressing up the makeup the wig making sure you're presented properly and then to put in lots of practice going on, then a good performance. Their own teacher said that dance very well, and yet not being placed, they've been placed way, mm. way below where you should have been. And that that, that, that was the toughest part. It's yeah, it must have been tough on you as well, though, Pat. Like, it must be really dispiriting because, like any parent, you're saying to the kid when they uh, take to the dance floor or the pitch or whatever it happens to be, you're kind of telling them to do their best. And if they do their best, you know, they'll be duly rewarded. Uh, you're kind of saying that, but you know it's not true. You're telling your daughter to go out yeah. there and do her best, and you never know what might happen. You know yeah. full well what's going to happen. She's not going to place because Kieran Cuddy is the judge today. Yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. But it is. But it's. It, it, it was an event. There was classes. There was dancing. There was a day out. There was all that stuff too. And you know. But lots of parents would have walked away. Absolutely. You, you may. You may hear from some of those. But lots of kids would have given up because of that. Lots of thousands. Uh, Cora, listen, let me go back to you uh, before we, we we wrap things up. But listen, I read that text out. Lots of other texts coming in as well with similar experiences. Keep them coming. 53106 is the number. What would you like to see Irish dancing do as a body? Oh, I think there needs to be major change in in how we're teaching Irish dancing, in the qualifications for teachers teaching Irish dancing and competition for younger children, I should think it should not start at beginner stage until at least 12 or 13. Um, I, I really feel there has to be major changes, be it that it can happen in the organisation or be that, you know, an organisation has to start from grassroots mm. with with total dance education. Sorry, when you, when you say, sorry, Corey, when, when you say no competition, you mean kind of a participatory activity up until they're 12 or 13 effectively like the way other sports do like with go games or whatever no one keeping score 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they don't even need to, to have competition. You know, they could be dancing away without with with concert type things or yeah. maybe one competition in the year. But like this weekly competition um, into major provincial and then, you know, um, traveling to England and traveling to America. And, you know, it starts at it's too it's too much pressure. It's It's pressure on family life, let alone on the child that's been involved. You know, mm. and it's the whole addictive quality of it that it 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 just takes over a family, and that's it. You know, there just doesn't yeah. seem to be any other thing important in life. You know. Well, Angela says I was Irish dancing forty years ago, and there was a lady who made the dancing dresses, and her daughter was a terrible dancer, but she always won the trophy, and I knew then <laughs> it was a fix. Somebody else says the same situation exists in music and singing competitions. I have found so not just dancing. According to that listener, five three one zero six is the text number if you want to get in touch. Thank you to Cora Somerville, former member of CLRG for forty years, former teacher and adjudicator. She's an MA in dance studies. She mentioned. This is exactly something she has looked into in the work uh, towards that MA. Sarah Burns of the Irish Times as well, who explained the story to us. And Pat, uh, the parent of a former Irish dancer. Thank you all. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.